Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Do you ever wonder why it is we get so excited about Christmas and what we expect to have happen? And do we really look for the Advent season to be a transformative experience? Or is it simply something we do because it's just what we do every year and it's part of the calendar and it's fun and it's good for the economy and ultimately for most gems in January? (laughs) I know it is for mine. Well, this year, I decided to really lean into the Advent experience and the different themes in a way unlike I have in many years. I said in jest that we as ministers, you know, kind of cringe when the season comes around again. And, and that's only uh, part of the story. The other part of the story is that as members of the clergy, we are very much committed to our own spiritual growth and development, as well as supporting the spiritual growth of the development and development of the people who come to our churches and centers. So that means that we must be willing to take a risk to lean into the material that is presented to us and ask maybe a new question or deeper questions. What is this saying to me? Why would I really want to do this? And there are multiple answers that are given. And and I've been really stretched this year, uh, uncomfortably so. And unfortunately, I recall any number of times saying to myself and to anyone who would listen, spirit doesn't care if you're comfortable. Spirit cares if you're growing. Why did I ever say that? And why did I say it out loud? But that's what we're here for. We come to a center uh, like Unity of Fairfax, not because we want to reinforce what we know to be true and then go out and march in the world telling everybody this is what we know to be true, but rather to live the truth we know. And the truth we know says that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, and we are here to grow, to expand our consciousness, our Christ consciousness. And by that, What I mean is the awareness that there is divinity within us, the same divinity that uh, was embodied in Jesus is the same in us. So when we look at him, when we look at those stories told about him, we ask ourselves, to what extent am I following that model? And let's just think very quickly, let's do a quick overview of what we know. So when we think about the teachings that were put forth by him, and the way in which he lived his life. He would essentially provide healing work for anybody who needed it without a call that they come and follow him and do what he does. He welcomed children, basically chattel property at the time, for to such as these belong the kingdom. He welcomed women, again, chattel property for the most part back at the time, There are important lengthy dialogues with women as equals, very unusual for the time. He provided healing work for Romans who were the enemy occupiers. 
he had great and rich dialogues with the religious leaders of his time, the scribes and Pharisees. He had great compassion for people who were sick and ill. I mean, when we talk about the establishment of the kingdom, what we're seeing is this idea of oneness, universal love, love in action, inclusivity. Everybody was welcome. That was earth-shattering for that time, and in many respects, it's still earth-shattering for our time. Some of you may have seen on Facebook a meme that's been circulating uh, probably since the creation of the thing. It said, I'd rather be excluded for who I include rather than included for who I exclude. You know what I'm saying? Everybody is welcome in the kingdom. And that's what he taught. Jesus also lost his temper any number of times, turning over tables in the temple, being, uh, you know, all kinds of known experiences of run-ins with authority figures. Any, any of you ever? Okay, that's a different talk for a different day. Yeah, somebody who was corrected from time to time, somebody who, who, who was called out on, on his own stuff, not wanting to give the Samaritan woman uh, his teaching when she said, well, don't the master even give crumbs to the dogs? And he realized, oh, I'm being a hypocrite myself. So we see somebody who was consciously working for the advancement of a world that works for everyone, a world of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation, who was teachable and at times so human like us, but always holding the high watch always holding a message of love and inclusion that said some of the cool rules and the ways in which we do things, we need to change. So I get excited when I think about that, living into that experience and being called to stretch and grow because it's much more comfortable, let's admit it, to stay in our own little box, our own sphere, to stay comfortable. So as I've been thinking about getting excited about, I'm very excited about that. Oh, by the way, I'm real excited about Santa Claus, regardless of how much explaining I had to do last year. Um, I'm real excited about the candles and the cakes and the cookies and all of that. But I don't want to divorce my experience of this season from what it means to grow in Christ consciousness from what it means to realize I live my life from that perspective and to awaken to where I don't. You know, that's, that's what I'm leaning into this year for this season. So I wanted to look at the stories of, of, that we see of the birth of Jesus to see if there's anything, and there is, that might push me or maybe push you to stretch and grow and as I was thinking about this week, the Peace Week, this question kept coming up, or this topic, or this theme, rather, that kept coming up to, for me. And it's the idea that life isn't fair. Have any of you ever been told that? Some well-meaning, kind person said, well, life just isn't fair. Anybody? Am I the only one? Please? Okay, good. I was worried about this. I mean, I don't want to project too horribly. Or maybe you've said it to somebody else. Because we have experiences in our lives, don't we? Where it just seems like this isn't fair. 
It's just not fair. Our truth teachings tell us there is a divine idea of justice, and all things are made right. Now, the challenge is that doesn't always happen on our time frame. We may want it to happen right now or last week or last year or 10 years ago, as it should have. But sometimes we just have to wait. I'm reminded of a very famous line from the, that was spoken by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on March 31st, 1968, five days before his assassination. He was giving a talk at the Washington National Cathedral just a few miles from here. And he said, we shall overcome because the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Which brings me to the serenity prayer. When we, what do we do? How do we live from a Christ consciousness when we encounter those things in life that are not fair? And that might be laws, or that might be the fact the tornado hit, or it might be a relationship issue. It might be any number of different things. I'm sure all of us can think of a time in our lives where we experience something that caused us to say, this just isn't fair. Anybody? This is probably something. And then we hear the words, such as the words of Dr. King, that remind us there's justice. It will happen. It is happening. We sure would like it to be sooner. And sometimes we've even been unjust and unfair to ourselves. Maybe you've had the experience of that external, I mean, internal, rather, experience of injustice, where you've judged yourself pretty darn harshly in a way you would not have done somebody else. Or maybe you've looked at there's some part of yourself and you're saying, I'm not going to accept that part of myself because, well, other people don't either. You've been unfair to yourself. Well, fortunately, we have meditative practices and prayers that remind us of the truth of our being each and every one of us, an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of the universe. Each and every one of us, an embodiment of Christ's consciousness, growing into that awareness. And as long as we are beating ourselves up internally, we retard, slow down that process. So I'm not saying to, I am saying, give yourself a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm totally saying that. Awaken to the truth of your being. Use your life energy for good. Praise yourself. Pat yourself on the back. Give yourself a warm hug. Life is hard enough without beating ourselves up. And I know I do it. I suspect most of you do as well at some time or another. So what if something didn't reach the golden standard? You tried. And if you didn't even try, there's next time. Be fair to yourself. Be kind to yourself. That is where we begin with making peace in the world. It starts in our hearts. I love this meditation chant, the beautiful meditation Mara gave us. The words of our daily words, slow down. It's kind of paradoxical to say none of us is perfect, yet all of us is perfect. 
All of us are perfect. Subject verb agreement. Very important. It's a bit paradoxical. Jesus said, be ye perfect, therefore, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. What he meant was, you don't have to strive to be perfect. Perfect, You're already it. Just release the parts that don't belong. And you don't do that violently. That is a gentle process of release and letting go. It also means taking a risk. Because if you've made a habit of beating yourself up and holding yourself to some impossible standard, then it can be disorienting to say, what? You mean I, I don't have to wear shackles of my own making? No. So when we think about what is being reborn in us, why we celebrate the symbolic rebirth of Christ's consciousness, that's what we're talking about. It's like being born again, as it were, and starting to make baby steps and redefining who you are in your life, in your relationship with yourself. That is not easy. Let me just tell you, that is not easy. There is this thing in economics, a term called regression to the mean. I say, I want to go back to how it was. That was comfortable. I knew what to do then. Spirit doesn't care if you're comfortable. Spirit cares if you're growing. So take the risk to be kind to yourself, to lay aside those beliefs about yourself that you may have held. I've got a few myself this year that I'm going to put in our burning bowl on New Year's Eve. It's like, okay, we are done. We are so done. Well, what do we do externally? You know, I'm a high extrovert. I've talked about this repeatedly. So, like, I can't spend too much time with them because I just wander around going, anybody else here? Anybody else here? So, anyway, I'm a high extrovert. So, I like to look at the world because when we think about our vision statement here at Unity of Fairfax, it is that we are centered in divine love. We celebrate and honor a world awakened to peace, abundance, and respect for all creation. So we are charged, therefore, to do something or to um, notice when we don't see peace in the world. You know, you know? So first and foremost, always, we go to the consciousness of prayer. We begin with the end in mind. What do we desire to see in the world? And what we desire to see is everybody having their needs met, everybody having safe place to live, everybody having abundant food, everybody having freedom of speech, all of these things. And there's only so much we can do at any one point in time. But we can always pray. We can always hold the high watch. So... At Christmas time, we often refer to the stories of the Holy Family. You might, if you were with us last week or if you watched the video last week, you recall that we referenced the uh, nativity story as found in the book of Matthew. And, this is the, and we emphasized and looked at that part of the story where the Holy Family became uh, political refugees. King Herod had threatened to kill what he believed was the new Messiah, and so the family fled and went into Egypt. Egypt is a place that metaphysically, we say, symbolizes a dark, shadowy, and yet safe place for hiding. And they did go hide. So I shared last week, and you might recall that there are right now in this world 100 million refugees, asylum seekers all around the world who have left their home countries going to Egypt, as it were, because they weren't safe. They didn't have peace and abundance and respect 
in their homelands for whatever reason. And that in countries there are currently 54 million internally displaced people at least who are not safe in their home countries. We hold the vision of peace on earth, goodwill towards all. That is a significant work. It makes a difference. And I close that talk by asking everybody who is able to make a charitable contribution to an aid organization. Add one more name to your Christmas list. And it was kind of a fluke. We were downtown uh, uh, Friday at the Christmas market. And sure enough, the founder of World Central Kitchen, Jose Andres, walked right by, yakking on his phone. And I'm like, okay, you get money. All right, thanks for your good work. There's a part of the, uh, so that was derived, that whole message was derived from looking at that nativity story in Matthew. They fled and became political refugees. And life wasn't fair. I'm sure Joseph and Mary, and they, they just said, this isn't fair. Why can't we just stay? This is our home. This is where we live. This isn't fair. There's another, I think, problematic aspect to the nativity stories found in both Matthew and Luke. I want to share with you today, and you might think, Russell, is your job to ruin Christmas for everybody? <laughs> but I want to point out something that I've seen, that I've seen recently, that leads me to want to come back to the serenity prayer. So as I've mentioned before, there are two nativity stories about the birth of Jesus, one in Matthew and one in Luke. And I want to start with the one in Luke. And the reason why I want to talk about this and talk about this notion of life not being fair, because as I grow in Christ consciousness, I want to be able to see, no, I want to be able to grow in my capacity from a place of love to address the issues in the world, address issues in my life, and address the issues between my ears. So here's the story, and I know you know it. And it's actually a beautiful story, but I see a problem with it. In the sixth month, this is Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a woman who was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and she, he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting list might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be done with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. 
She goes on and leads into a beautiful prayer called the Magnificat. Maybe I'm making too much of this, but I had a colleague raise a question with me once, and she said, Russell, do you know what's the problem with that story? I said, well, there's no problem. It's a beautiful story. I mean, historically in Judaism, there, there weren't divine human hybrids. That was very common in Roman, Greco-Roman mythology, but it, it's a beautiful story, and yeah. She goes, Russell, you're clearly not a woman, are you? And I said, well, no. I have women in my family. Does that count? And she goes, no. Here's the, here's the issue. And you might think you're making too much of this. Mary was never asked, do you want to bear this child? She was told. And maybe that's not a problem. But maybe that is a problem. Nobody likes being told, you're going to do this. You're going to clean your room. You're going to do your homework. You're going to enlist. You're going to, you're, nobody likes that. However, thinking about the serenity prayer, I want to come back to that. The serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And so the situation came, and she realized, I can't change this, so why don't I lean into it? Make it something beautiful, something special. What can I do with this situation if I can't change it that will be life-affirming? And the rest, as they say, is history. You know, because sometimes stuff is going to happen in your life that you cannot change. Sometimes that's really positive. Great stuff has happened. It's like, yay! Or sometimes that's something you didn't plan on. Sometimes that's when your vacation plans get canceled and something better happens. We've had that happen. We were going out to Sedona one year, we're out to Arizona, and we had booked uh, some rooms, and they turned out to be awful, and we said, let's go to the north rim of the Grand Canyon. Well, you can't just go to the north rim of the Grand Canyon last minute. Well, we called. Oh, we do have a room. All right. So there you go, making the most of a bad situation. You know, that's a great gift for all of us. If something doesn't happen the way we want it to have happened, or something comes along, then to use our capacity for agility or to ask ourselves if maybe my answered prayer is much, the prayer that's being answered is much better than what I had asked for. Or maybe this course correction is the divine course correction that I didn't see coming. And oh my gosh, in the fact that I had to make this course correction, I met my beloved. Would not have seen that coming. That sort of stuff happens all the time. But it comes back to the willingness to accept the things we cannot change. Perhaps you know somebody who hasn't gone that route. Somebody who, when something came along that they couldn't change, just decided to be a victim. Professional grade, five stars, blaming everyone and everything for their lives, could not adjust. I know a few. News at 11. 
Now let's look at this story as told in the book of Matthew, because very similar. Matthew chapter 1, it's fairly short. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this was took, took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from the dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son and named him Jesus. Again, I'm not trying to ruin Christmas, but if you see something, you can't unsee it. Notice the difference in this story to the Annunciation in Luke. The picture tells it all. Mary wasn't even told herself. The angel, presumably male, went to another male and said, well, this is what we're going to do to this woman's body. And this is how it's going to go down. You in? It's like a smoking backroom deal. This is how it's going to go down. Not a peep. Not a peep from Mary. Somebody else making decisions, negotiating about her body. I'm so glad things are different now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is why I've been uncomfortable this season as I lean into these stories of stretching and growing. Because now this raises the question for me, that next part of the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity, accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I kind of like the fact this story doesn't tell us anything else about that or anything else about us. Was there an action taken? Something spirit-driven? I come back to Dr. King's remark, March 31st, 1968. Here was a reformer, grounded in faith, inviting others with him to continue a work of justice. Justice, as Cornel West says, says is, is love made public, all of which leads to peace. How is Christ being awakened in me, in you, in all of us, to be agents of peace when we see injustice in the world, or at least injustice as it appears to us. The courage to know the difference. The courage to act. 
I look at the things that Jesus did in his ministry, good grief, there was a lot of courage made manifest. I look at the people I admire, the Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, co-founders of the Unity Movement, the courage they had to take to like put out there what they were teaching. I look at the reformers of all shapes and sizes in our country and all around the world, the courage. Where did they find that courage? They found it within and took the action to work for the things that make peace in the world. And of course, in that process, all reformers, people like Jesus even, encountered a lot of opposition. But consciousness raising takes a lot of energy. And then we remember, too, that ultimately that peace is always here. And we connect with it through prayer and meditation. Our spiritual practices enfold us in comfort when we need comfort, in pep talk when we need pep talk. And the reminder that each and every one of us is important and matter in the whole of the grand scheme of things. So that's why I'm getting excited about Christmas, about that rebirth of spirit within me that says, what's possible if I liberate myself from a limited perception? What can I do to make my own life more satisfactory? And what can I do to be an agent of peace on earth, goodwill towards all? This week, let's think about that story. This week, let's think about and pray about and lean into the idea, how am I an instrument of peace in the world? What is mine to do? What is mine to be? And let's affirm the courage to know what is ours to do and what is ours not to do and how to leverage the things we cannot change. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.